2: The idea of
1: ending their existence consumes me.
3: Hello, and welcome back to Observing the Pattern, a fringe podcast where we analyze and dissect every episode of the show's five seasons. Uh, Joining me on this strange and transcendental journey uh, is a plethora of guests. And today I am joined by a We Made This regular. Uh, he's host of the Time Is Now Millennium podcast, co-host of the Make It So Star Trek podcast and host of a pick-up-a-podcast. It's Kurt North. Kurt, do you ever sleep?
4: Um, I don't know. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm currently watching, uh, I'm rewatching Fringe actually, I, um, not only for this podcast but just as, uh, you know, getting back to grips with it and this is a great excuse and pretty much every night bar about 11 o'clock at night i'm going i'm going to bed but i'm actually watching two or three episodes of a fringe as well so i'm not getting to sleep till at least two or three o'clock in the in the morning and as this is going out i'm actually on a new podcast as well which is uh, shipwrecked and comatose which is going to be a red dwarf uh podcast so you know things things are, are, are forever changing and developing so Sleep is, is for losers, you know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll um. But what I quite like about this this particular episode is that the uh, the shoes on the other foot really. So that I can record this and send this to you and uh, forget about it. Whereas all the other ones, I tend to have to record it and then edit as well. So so it's uh, it'd be nice to just be able to like go go away and uh, and uh, forget about this one once once we're finished and wait for it to air.
3: Yeah, gone are the days when I could basically just record. Record an episode of 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 the X Cash Roundtable and just send it off. Now it's it's now I have responsibility.
4: <laughs> yeah, just just don't just don't go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> no, no, definitely not.
3: <laughs> um, so today's episode is called Jahari Window, which is largely a standalone episode with a few little kind of references here and there to the to the overarching narrative. Uh, there's a little reference to the previous episode, for example. This episode aired. Originally January 14th in 2010, written by Josh Singer and directed by Joe Chappelle. Uh, Chappelle is also an executive producer on the show and he's directed uh, quite a substantial number of episodes through the five year run. Uh, so, Kurt, before we go into too much detail in, into the episode, what is, what's your overall impression of this of, of this particular episode?
4: uh overall it's uh as a standalone it's, it's interesting I and mean, this is my first um entry into season two i know i did two episodes last season um and ironically enough i'm talking pretty much about the mythology uh in a few episodes time but i'm actually talking about kind of a monster of the week as such with this one it was similar with the um last season as well in some ways but um yeah watching re-watching season two at up this up until this point is is quite interesting it's very similar to season one in some ways that we've got you know uh, what episode is this what episode is this this is episode this is 12 12 so the first like eight or so a very kind of like Monster of the week so x file style um you know um fringe episodes the very the very kind of um you know, you mentioned about the fact that they are um, you know, almost like uh, singular episodes, but they do touch upon uh, a lot of themes of the show, and I'm sure we'll get into that as we talk about the main, this one in particular. But the the, the actual story is very slow to get going. It was the same in season one. You know, the first six to eight episodes were uh, looking at the pattern, and then it kind of developed as you got towards the end, you know, even like episode 14, which was... Uh, ooh, what was that one called again? Um, but uh, yeah, it was the, the one with the cortex if Ant starts coming in, which I know oh, yeah. we'll, we'll be talking about later. Uh, ability that was the one. Um, and until then, the, the, the show starts to speed up, and it does the same in season two. And this is right before that, um, that happens. And there's some it's hit and miss, I think, season two up until this point. I think this one out of the, the previous ones that we've seen, um, actually hits quite a few good marks and i would say it's uh it's it's definitely in the higher tier of season two as the uh of some of the standalones would be so yeah i would definitely definitely put it there up there as a bit more uh, meat to the bones on this one than some of the earlier episodes that we might have seen in season two
3: yeah i think you're right um we are we are approaching the the point in season two where the overarching narrative really starts to kick off and and this Jahari window, uh, and maybe the next one, what lies below, which is another kind of standalone one. But after that, from fourteen onwards, we we really start to get into the nitty gritty of of uh, the overarching story. Uh, th- this one, I I found this one particular has the most X Files vibe to it at, in season two. Right, I, th- I think I got a lot of a lot of feel of um, the Great Mutato. Yeah, and also you know military. Experiments, military connections, which X Files touched upon um, quite a lot. So, and just a few kind of directorial uh, pointers as well. I, I really reminded me of the X Files.
4: Well, yeah, I think the military one in particular was unrequited uh, from the X Files, which was about this, uh, a killer who was in the army. It was in, I think it was Vietnam, and he could um, hide himself in plain sight. Which it seems quite um, relevant with this story in some ways because they mm. all. The whole aspect of this episode is about a, a trial for the military to hide people or camouflage people in in plain sight and it's ve- so that's very um similar um you mentioned obviously the um the postmodern prometheus you get uh, an element of home to a degree although not necessarily some of the actual um deeper themes in home uh the opening scene was very twin peaks or jersey devil from the x-files as well yeah um that that also had that that Um, kind of feeling to it and also as well the thing about fringe generally as opposed to the x-files fringe is more inner city kind of downtown based you know we've got shows like blacklist or blind spot at the moment or they're coming to the end of their kind of run now you know they're six or seven years that they've been doing um, as we speak today but the um, Fringe has got that inner, inner city vibe of boston and new york and 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 all all that comes with that. Whereas X Files tended to go into the suburbs and the villages, and you know heading into the forests of uh, of Vancouver, uh, which is where it was filmed, um, especially in its early years at that point. So there is there is this feeling that the the team are going out to you know the uh, an outer lying area, a village or or a suburb in some ways that, um, and they're investigating a case which which has um, these supernatural or unusual um um. Like cover-ups and and uh, decisions that are, that are being made. So it's really interesting from that aspect, absolutely.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I think, without further ado, let us dive deeper through the Jahari window. So we start, uh, it opens up with a state trooper and he comes across a, a young boy on the roadside as he's talking to his wife on the phone. The kid turns out to be uh, called Teddy and he's running away from home. The trooper offers to to take him home and as he looks in the rear view mirror he notices the kid is suddenly is deformed um and the state trooper is kind of shocked about this it's quite a it's quite a quick shocking moment and then we get to the state trooper's office where his colleagues are kind of talking about this urban myth this kind of uh rumors of the mountain people deformed mountain people so we kind of get in a a, a, like you said a kind of uh, um like an urban myth kind of thing in the in this in this out town somewhere.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry. Um, I'm. I, just as you're as you're talking. What was that Night um show called? Um, which was out oh. recently. Uh, that that it's very. I'm just. It just literally just came to me there. Um, and it had very kind of. Um. Uh, we, uh, wayward pines think, yeah that's the one i'm just i just had to look for it um and th- that kind of in in some ways that kind of had, has this aspect to that to that in some ways because the with wayward pines it was uh, obviously we were delved in via a um you know a character and we there was this urban myth of the creatures around the outside and things and you know there was been there were being held within that area and again that was filmed in vancouver ironically but um the uh the, this idea of this urban myth again you know you go back to the x files and, and you, you say supernatural it was funny you know on on twitter of late brandon shane matala who um who I've podcasted with before in the past put down he's never seen a supernatural episode and unfortunately i haven't <laughs> either um but uh but uh but it's it's one of those it's one of those um, t v shows there's about fifty seasons so it's like how how do we even get into that but um but yeah, the, the actual this idea of mountain people, which is where the when pines things just kicked in, when you said that word, it was it was um, very similar to that. But the, the the way that that code open is has is developed and, and you know, the sudden re- revelation that this kid's um, not of uh, what he he appeared to be to begin with is interesting in itself. But um, you know, the, the way that I saw that opening, the opening scene um, in hindsight, on top of that was the. Kind of the um, the almost the, the preconceptions of of everyone, you know, the 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 reaction to them and, and just how much they um, are revolted by him, or you know, or fascinated in 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 a, in a in a slightly different way, and and you know, it really focused on the deformity mm. of him rather than you know him as him as a, an actual child or anything. So, and I think that runs through the, the the episode as well.
3: Yeah, definitely, and you can almost kind of take take it as when when his is taken and that image is put onto the screen, you can almost see that as a representation of, of not looking at a child, but looking at a thing, yeah. as it were. And then, of course, uh, two men with shotguns with similar deformities come in, uh, shoot the troopers, and take the boy away. So we then switch to Peter, who's trying to coerce Walter out of the car to go shopping. Uh, Walter is is suffering from some kind of, trauma that uh he had because in the previous episode he was abducted by newton who is yeah who is the big bad of uh of season two so he's yeah so he's suffering from a little bit of trauma and he's he's scared that he'll meet newton in the in the in the supermarket or something so i like that i like that bit of continuity that crosses over to this episode
4: yeah, it 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 works quite well, and in, in, you know it may not be a an episode which is a continuation of of the story, but in theme, uh, which is something I'll discuss about a bit later. But the in theme, it definitely kind of uh, continues on that, and the fact that you know he is suffering from that because only earlier in the season as well that he's already had, you know, he's had this abduction that happened in the last episode, but in Snakehead as well, the, the issues that he had there where he went he went out on his own and. You know things had happened, so there's there's been quite a lot of things happen as as, as Walter enters the world of normal life. That um, you know he's it, it's not been an easy easy entrance into that, and the, the the fact that you know two major things have happened to him over the last few episodes, uh, you know I'm not surprised that he's that he's really struggling with it really.
3: Mm. And I like the way that you know, as many people do in the real world, if you're suffering from trauma, the best thing to do is to throw yourself into your work. Um, yeah, which is what he kind of does in this episode.
4: Yeah, and I think well, I think the show as well does it in, in another way. That people either you throw yourself into your work or you you go into isolation. Yeah, and I think that the um the the themes that pick up within this episode with um with that you know and uh, as as I say I w- we'll leave it a little bit uh, until we get into the ep- episode in more depth. But the this idea that they made that decision that the the trauma that the people of the town felt they felt they needed to isolate rather than. Rather than actually challenge themselves to go into the world and to to do what Walter's effectively doing,
3: mm, yeah. Um, so the team head to the uh, trooper's office to meet Broyles. Uh, Walter is shown the photo of the boy, uh, and then we're, we're we're treated to a proper Walter moment where he starts singing out a tune from a banjo, which I just yeah. <laughs> which I love. <laughs> I just love this this this, this little moment, and Broyles' look on his face is just uh, is priceless.
4: Yeah, yeah, it is. I think the, 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 the it's, and Peter mentions it's from Deliverance and it's really interesting the choice there because, um, obviously, Deliverance, that banjo is, is done with a, a, a child in the film and the reflection of, of that and what happens in that film with the kind of the, you know, the outer world is touching their, their village and the, the horrific things that happen in Deliverance. Um, because again, it goes back to that whole isolation feel of, you know, the, these outsiders coming into into their world and affecting them and I think that 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 is real kind of uh, mirror images. I'm not I'm not surprised by using the banjo and using that um, deliverance theme which ironically I, I think I've just read recently that the person who wrote that theme music died a couple of weeks back oh. and the person who actually played that that banjo has actually died as well recently. So, um, so it's quite quite strange. All all these thing, three things have come together for me today, mm. but um, but yeah, the uh, so the the, the deliverance thing is really interesting because there is an insinuation that the uh, the child in in deliverance is in as well, uh, you know, and has has a, a kind of deformity. So it's uh, you know, it's it's by no mistake that they've used that that um that film as a, as a as a potential kind of mirror to what um this episode's about really
3: right i'm going to admit my ignorance and say that i've never seen deliverance and i think i should now
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah just just prepare yourself that's all i'll say okay (laughs) (laughs) think 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 home level think um exiles home level okay
3: Okay. blimey i'm not sure i can take a film of that but we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes (laughs) okay but what he also like is and this happens quite a lot with walter is that memories that he's forgotten are triggered by things like a piece of music or a photograph or, or a place or a smell and it and it kind of brings these hidden memories up to up to the surface again for him so i like the way that they've incorporated that as well into this scene
4: yeah yeah and i think they they do they do use that quite well because it is a good narrative um, plot point because you don't want walter knowing everything uh, especially with the episode that we were talking about just then about Grey Matters, where you know pieces of his memory has been taken, and that's, mm. um, and you know the brain can do a lot of things and, and can change in a lot of ways with um, brain trauma and all that kind of thing. That you know the, but using it is one both both a bit of levity, you know, in in a show that can be quite dark, but and and Walter's like kind of levity within within the episodes that help that. But also quite nice, and 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 it kind of humanizes Walter as well. Because you know, go too far with Walter, you can actually get, you know, quite uh, well, as we may see as as we go in, in later seasons. But uh, we won't touch upon that yet. But <laughs> um, but yeah, but Walter can can quite easily go the other way and actually be quite, um, you know, he is a, in the. Of, we'll talk about this in in a future episode. But some of the the things that he does and has done in the past. Um, have a reflection on uh, on the episodes, and it does that a lot. And then this one, again, I think, um, just going off piece a little bit, is a reflection of um, Walter and his, um, you know, and somebody else who's doing very similar to what Walt- where Walter's going and, and try- trying to find atonement for the stuff that they've done in the past. Mm. But having but having that levity of you know the issues that he's having and the um, you know and the uh, the memories that are coming up through the the use of uh, you know um, these 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 points of using music and uh, you know anagrams Mnemonics and all those type of things that he, that he does through the episodes, um, I think really does help to keep keep the the show moving and humanize Walter in a lot more. And I think overall, Walter's humanized really really well. And you know, he's by nowhere near a perfect character, and that's what I really like about him.
3: Yeah, and I I mean, I think John Noble plays him with with such majestic um, ease, and he's he's able to walk that line you know we we know what he's done in the past Uh, and yet the story requires us to to like him and care for him and it's it's a very clever between the writers and his performance it's it's a very a very clever thing that works very well throughout the series yeah it is so they're looking through reports going back uh, years to try and see these rumors of these mountain people lovely little comic moment here um when Walter tells the detective that he believes in, in Sasquatch and, and flying monkeys and talking lions, he says, you know, w- why can't I believe it? But my favourite part of this little scene is just Peter's face. He's just got this really yeah, cheeky yeah. grin, is, is, is what was laying into this detective.
4: Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, and, and again, going, just um, talking about the talking lions, uh, he, he mentions Wizard of Oz, and I think that uh, you, you talk about, we were talking about Grey Matters before, and the, um, you know, the... The idea that you know, he's he's missing pieces of of himself, uh, and that's a very Wizard of Oz analogy. But the uh, and the Wizard of Oz story is all about kind of finding the person who you are, uh, and the fact that you know Walter's trying to find you know himself uh, in you know because he's a very broken man and find, trying to find himself and you know uh, find an atonement for for and re- and regrets the actions that he's taken and wants to take responsibility for them. Um, it's very kind of a Wizard, Wizard of Oz kind of feeling to it, you know, with the, the heart with no the li- the line without the courage, for example. Um, you know, it's just one aspect of of a of a the human essence in some ways. But the fact that um, you know he's trying to find himself uh, really works well, and I think the using the Wizard of Oz analogy is quite interesting.
3: Yeah, I've I've, I've never really thought about that analogy before, but that's that's really yeah. good. I yeah. like that. Um, so the team head to the town Edina. Um, and that's when they notice this continuous buzz that goes on, and it uh, and that buzz then starts Walter singing a song. Uh, again, it's its association by song that that uh, that the writers are using. And, yeah, uh, I can't remember the the exact words to the song, but it's it, something about artichokes and elephants. Um,
4: yeah, it, it spells harkness. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> um,
3: and. Sheriff Velchik uh, comes into the scene and explains that the buzzing is from a military generator and that the government have been doing experiments there since the 1970s. Um, when he said that, it just X-Files popped into my head immediately. It's a very X-Files type line. Yeah,
4: and um, well, that's another episode I never actually um, wrote down in my notes, actually, is Drive, uh, the X-Files Season 6 episode, Drive, because that's very similar as well. That talks of about you know, the yeah. pulse that comes through, that the military... Um oh god, this is gonna test my X-Files knowledge. I think it's something like Sea Haven. Um that, that, I'm gonna to have to check that when I when I leave here, but um you know, it's like the USS Sea Haven is a submarine, it's sending out a pulse that, that causes Brian Cranston, of all people, uh yeah. from, from breaking bad, <laughs> um, to go on a drive with Mulder. But I won't I won't spoil that for anyone who's not watched the X-Files, but um but yeah, so that that, that instantly popped into my head as well. It does have a, a very X-Files you know, you're dealing with the military, you're dealing with the government kind of aspect, you know, and and these secret tests that, you know, that the X Files did so well and um, spoke about the Nazis and uh, you know bringing the Japanese in and uh, you know Amer- American conspiracies, um, you know, it doesn't touch on to upon it too much, and that's what I like about Fringe, that you know X Files was very much a a grounded show, as much as X Files could be grounded, but you know you've got a scientist in Dana Scully who's very kind of skeptical and very science-led, but in fringe, they've got more um, sci-fi tropes to play with. They're definitely more on the sci-fi aspect, yeah. you know. And your scientist is someone who's actually causing these things to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. So the fact, so the fact that you know the, the 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 difference is 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 telling in that way. But you know, the DNA of of X Files. I mean, I know that you would have spoken about this or whoever was on season one, season two of the first episode of season two. Where I think Dreamland comes on the TV screen, yeah, and uh, they talk about designated X, and as well, so they are referring back to and DNA of that of X Files has always been within it, and especially in this season as well. I mean, you've got there's been episodes about a um, a kind of shadow creature from from a cosmonaut coming down to Earth and and killing people, which is an X Files um, episode, and you've just got so many like sort of little hints of of these kind of uh, stories that, that have been repeated from, from the X-Files universe, but you know, it is its own device and they do it in its own way. And I do yeah. like it for that, but, um, but yeah, it, it is, it is interesting, but that, but that um, project elephant is definitely, uh, definitely got an x file vibe to it.
3: Yeah. Um, so we're, we're in the car at night. Um, Peter's talking to Olivia and he's worried that water is regressing back to his kind of state that when he was first released from Sinclair's, um, due to his traumatic experience. Um, I like how, you know, through season one and especially coming now into season two, I like how Peter and Walter's relationship has has evolved. Peter is is much more concerned about him now than than he used to be. I think season one was kind of getting to know each other again and now it's like a proper father and son relationship and, you know, the son is worried about his father's uh, behaviour at the minute.
4: Yeah, and it works well works well over the arc as well, without going into any detail about the rest of season two. It's um I think they needed to get here for things that happen later on in the season to have more of an effect. And I think that um within this particular episode with the with the kind of the as I say, going back to that Wizard of Oz analogy that, you know, he he's um he is he is more worried about him. Uh, uh he is doing things that are kind of off kilter, but um it's like Golivia says, you know, the um the idea that um you know that the he's he is actually becoming more human because of it and i think that that that's the way the wizard of oz thing really kicks in that you know he's going to make more mistakes he yeah. is going to be uh you know different in than than what he was but he's becoming more more human because of it and one of the aspects that i quite like about within this episode um personally with is, is the conversation that olivia has about the the walking in the street and seeing someone she used to know and them looking at her with um you know kind of a new eyes because of the way that that the well because of her job mm. and the, the the perception and i think perception works really well in this episode it's 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 a a major theme that you know um it's people perceive Olivia if they know she's an f b i agent as something than what she she's more than just an f b i agent and I think that this is um, kind of mirrors what's happening in the town of adina because you know, they're they're more than just these these deformed human beings. They are people, and I think that that that's the mirror between the two that they're they're kind of working towards and having that conversation, which is always a good thing to have in TV shows like this, which you know is a mo- a lot more deeper than you would get potentially in other kind of procedural cop dramas. Yeah, um, you know, it, it it gives you that depth and that um that warmth and that um that theme that you can really play with. And uh, I think they particularly do it well with this one to relate to that that idea of uh, perceiving what a person is rather than getting to know them.
3: Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I mean, because Peter's obviously his perception of Walter is is that uh, I think Peter still thinks that Walter can't can't cope with the outside world and that he's still this patient of Saint Clair's. Whereas Olivia is uh, her perception of Walter is that he is he is learning to be a human being in the outside world. Yeah. And Walter's perception has been altered by his abduction by Newton. So he he was initially afraid to leave the car. So, yeah, you're right. Perception can be, can be put into lots of different contexts throughout this episode. It's a really good ongoing theme. Yeah. So then the car is run off the road by a pickup truck. Um, Walter sleeps through the entire thing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That, that, yeah. that. That's
4: probably one of my favourite moments, to be fair. It's brilliant.
3: <laughs> Uh they, they they're they're all alright. Uh they get a few uh shots fired at them, uh and then the pickup truck screeches away. And then they the pickup truck is found abandoned, uh a little bit down the road, and the team go and investigate. And this is where Walter finds a big blue a big blue butterfly, uh and collects it for Astrid, which which I really think is quite sweet. Yeah. Where He's found the butterfly. Olivia notices a trail of blood, so they basically go and follow it, hoping it is the uh, man that Peter shot. Walter is convinced then that the creature they're dealing with uh, has a metamorphic ability.
4: Yeah. What do you make to then the this I, this kind of switch around? Because I'm finding it difficult to remember this episode when I first watched it, whether or not I was taken in by the metamorph- metamorphic ability rather than it being something external. It may be that I, my my brain is actually designed to think in an X-File world where, you know, they're talking about these um, these experiments that they've been doing and my mind didn't really go to that that was going to be the case. You know, they're talking about werewolves and they're talking, uh, you know, about this metamorphic ability. Um, and I don't know if it's because I kind, kind of half remember the episode or not um, where... I'm not sure what my reaction would have been on the first watch, whether or not I would have taken out on face value, or I would have questioned it, and um, whether or not that was actually possible. Do you, when you first saw, it, do you remember that or not? Because that that's the way I see it. Anyway, it felt it felt like I'd I'd seen through that quite quickly.
3: Yeah. No. Um. It never it never really stuck with me. Mm. I I suppose the the one link I can I can see where the metamorphic thing comes from is the fact um is, is is the link with the butterfly yeah which is one of the only animals that, that can change its complete um oh yeah i didn't think of that
4: form. yeah i didn't think of that
3: <laughs> so that's how i kind of get that link and maybe that's that that's why walter initially has that idea
4: mm, yeah well i think they do i think they actually do mention it i've just um kind of half forgotten that but um but yeah, it's uh, it it, it is an, an interesting concept as well. You know, being able to you know the actual use of it b- before we find the the turnaround and and what it actually is. Um, I'm 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 just purely coming from a point of when I watched it to talk about this podcast. I kind of saw straight through it, but then do I have informed knowledge of it when I watched it first time around? And it's just subconsciously in there. I would have you know, ideally I I'd like to delve into my brain and find that out, but. Uh, I don't, it's an un, unknowable answer, unfortunately. Mm.
3: Um. So Walter starts singing the song again, and because it mentions Elephant, Olivia asks Walter if he worked on Project Elephant. And it, it, initially, he can't remember, as as he usually can't, um, because a lot of the stuff that that he he worked on is is, is lost to him. Can't remember what happens, how he eventually does remember i think it's something to do with astrid astrid,
4: astrid um she's because astrid, she's done this quite a lot in in the second season that i've been what i've watched second season quite a um i've watched the second season in a quick succession um over the last i'd say in not potentially over the last like week and a half mm. uh, and i'm already up to like just before um, i'm up to olivia um in the um in the Cluedo game. I'm up to oh, that, yes. that one. Um, Olivia in the lab. And, um, With the revolver. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, so I'm up to there now. But uh, so I've watched them in quick succession. I think that Astrid a few times has a kind of a kind of history and cryptographic um, kind of knowledge. Uh, so I think that the, the way that they do it here is that she picks up that it is a mnemonic and she, she quickly picks that up and says, you know, it's actually, does, does this word mean anything to you? And that's when... Uh, that's when uh, astrid and uh, and walter kind of coalesce on that and work out that it is something that he's worked on
3: that's right yes um and just before that um astrid opens the case and looks at her butterfly which is now a deformed moth yeah uh which is which is not very happy about and walter promises that it was a beautiful butterfly um <laughs> Um, and that's when they when they open the body bag, they find that the man that Peter shot is, is his face is completely changed and he's deformed and that's when Walter uh, when he starts investigating that's, that's when he finds no biological suggestion that it is metamorphosis, so that's when he starts changing his kind of hypothesis of of what's going on. That's when Olivia mentions that they got the VIN number hit uh, from the truck, which happens to belong to Joe Falls, who is Teddy's father. Yeah, all, the, all these little pieces start to come together now, don't they?
4: Yeah, because this at the start he starts to, I think, realise that it's not a, um, it's not a position of, you know, metamorphosis, and that you know the deformity comes into play at this point, doesn't it? The fact yeah. that the, the the moth had the deformity and the uh, the guy had the deformity as well, and as I say, you know, you find out it, it was Teddy's father, and uh, you know, there the, the seems to be the the coalescing of. Of the theory that you know the, the deformity is there, but the met- metamorphosis isn't there, and uh, and it, it formulates a new a new idea, new thoughts into into what exactly is going on, really.
3: Yeah. So as you said, Astrid and Walter they work out that the, the, the uh, mnemonic is Harkness, which is a library at the law school. So they go over to that, and uh, Walter remembers that he left a case in an air vent underneath. Underneath the shelf, I'm amazed it's still there. To be quite honest, <laughs> yeah. after all these years, I know
4: it's it's um his 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 lab was still there. His uh, libraries are still there. His, all his hidey holes all seem to be also seem seem to be in place, which is really unique. Um, but again, <laughs> what I like about the, the the fringe fringe overall, as well as the 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 actual design of it, you know, it's it's a futuristic TV show. Um, you know, but when you look at likes of C- CSI and you know all the modeling that takes place, and you know even Bones did that towards the end of their their run that they start using all these computer modeling techniques and going down the uh, the Blade Runner style, where Fringe kind of uses um, Walter and old school technology, so things are made that are you know very sixties and seventies looking. That the you know the television boxes are kind of like sort of four by three and yeah, and and the things that they actually bring out, and the technologies they bring out, especially on Walter's side, as a, as opposed to Massive Dynamic, um, you know, it has this um, kind of old school feel to it and uh, lived in feel, and I, I think that that really works. And the, the this idea that you know you can go to an old library and just open an event and it's and he's got a, an old box of files is uh, is certainly another case in point.
3: Yeah, I do like that kind of retro look to the equipment, especially in in, in Walter's lab. And you know, for instance, the typewriter communication that they use yeah. at the beginning of the series it's a it's a very kind of old school thing, but it, it it works really well. And I think it it probably works better than it would if it was some kind of futuristic looking high tech communication device. Yeah,
4: I think it'd be a, a different show completely. And I, yeah. I, again, it goes back to the you know. It's not too. This is Fringe, kind of for me, walks a fine line between. It's it's a very sci-fi show, and I don't. I forgive it a lot more than I would do with an X-File episode. Mm. So when they start talking about super soldiers in Fringe, it, I don't bat an eyelid. But when they talk about super soldiers in the X-Files, then I go. Ugh. So it's it's um it, it, because it's two the two different worlds, and the fact that Fringe can get away with it more because it's more of a sci-fi show, but at the same time. It isn't a low-budget sci-fi show purely for the...
2: Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better.
0: join US Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself learn more at cbp.gov/ careers
4: reason of being a sci-fi show it actually has more of a human story to it and uh, you know yeah. again goes back to that depth thing of the the family element of, of, of Peter and and uh, and Walter and again going back to that whole atonement and being responsible for your actions and and dealing with the, the issues that you, that you have to uh, deal with. And, and as I say, we'll, we'll talk about roles as we get towards the end of the episode and how that relates to uh, this episode as well.
3: Mm. So as Peter and Olivia are looking through census numbers, they find a discrepancy. The sheriff uh, holds a town's kind of meeting and we, we realise that the sheriff and the townspeople all seem to be on this. You know, they're, they're aware of what's going on. Yeah,
4: it's kind of a village of the damned kind of situation. Yeah, it is, isn't, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, Walter explains to Astrid that the military experimented with electromagnetic pulses uh, that could scramble the optic nerve and mask soldiers or make them visible to people, which is a lot like the ep- uh, X-Files episode you were talking about earlier on. Yeah,
4: unrequited, yeah. It's mm. it, it's it's almost word for word. The only difference being that Teiga, who's, epi- who's the guy in, in the X-Files episode, does that on his own, whereas this is like a a um a station or you know a military base that is doing this so um which is quite ironic really because i have a military base and that's not too far away from me so I'd, i would hate to think that you know these things would happen near near to me um <laughs> especially especially because there was an incident um you know a, a, an old school incident that happened um and in, in, this, is, this is going off topic a little bit but there was a, a well known picture that was taken of an a, an astronaut behind a, a young girl's head and that happened like 8 miles away from me and just right. na- just near a um a military base and apparently these these kind of this picture um it's called the, i think it's just called the spaceman if you search for it on google um and apparently that these these this picture of this kind of astronaut looking person appeared i think it's in japan around the same time as well and it was all to do with the nuclear disarmament or the building of nuclear weapons. Um, so it's uh, it's quite strange how you know these uh, these tests and stuff that we were building parts for that for that test and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's not it's it's a bit close to the bone when you're thinking you know I might turn up being slightly deformed with uh, a genetic abnormality because of uh, testing at a military base. So it's quite a scary thought, really.
3: Yeah. Definitely, you'd hate to, you know, leave your town and realize that people are looking at you funny, and you've got no, no idea why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Walter believes that the people of the town, most of them, are the children of the people who are experimented on, hence their deformities. So yeah, I think this kind of works quite well, then, don't you? As a as a as a concept.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, again, it goes back to the, the grander theme. It's not it's not connected to the to the show as as a whole. Walter, and especially stuff with the ah uh, um, oh, yes. stuff, where we'll we'll catch on this in a few episodes time, but um, he's he's tested things on children, he's tested things on loads of different people, and in the past hasn't seemed to have the empathy that that was that that's needed. He just he wanted to um, you know push the scientific boundaries. And we find out the reasons why we get to the end of the season and the uh, the major plot points that come that we've had at the end of season one as well, the, with the uh, the crossing of the uh, on the uh, the other side with the twin towers and stuff. But mm. um, but this particular one, uh, this episode, really focuses in on the uh, the abuse of the of children and their and what what happens to their recovery and the acceptance of of the the father figure, the sins of the father pretty much. Yeah. And this for me, where they're talking about the children of of the area and the decisions they make, is all on that. It's all like what 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 would you do in that situation? What have um, you know, the people around you have have done this to you without your um your con your um your acceptance of it. But then how do you how do you then deal with that situation? And I think that that really does reflect where Walter is and where Walter's going in the next, like, sort of five to ten episodes,
3: mm, definitely. And that you know, those themes of perception and, and consequences run throughout the entire series. Yeah, consequences, especially in season four, is is a huge theme. Mm.
4: Yeah, and it just keeps going back to it. It's interesting how, yeah, especially season two itself. I mean, I know it's building up to a particular moment, but it's uh, it does have this this this. Idea the 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 idea basically of um, the sins of the father and the um and the reaction of the child that, that that's kind of the main the main two focuses of the of the show and and how you can kind of bring those two together and how the the effects and the uh, and what what that has done the post traumatic stress kind of syndrome of that how do you get through that and how do you react to that and how how can people uh, atone for that and I think that that through the whole of this, especially this season. Uh, comes into it, and as you say later on in season four and and things like that, which um, which I'm not in a pos- position to uh, really um, comment on at the moment because a lot. remember watching it vividly um, when I was younger. I'd like to get back into it, and uh, there's been a few surprises, um, even by watching some of season two. So it'd be interesting to see with fresh eyes what season four and season five have to bring.
3: Yeah, I I haven't watched season four or five for a long time, so I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into that. Yeah. So basically. Astrid and Walter uh Walter gets out of the truck and they're just going into the kind of boundary of the town of Adina. diner and Walter tells Astrid to look at the the moth which is now changed back to its beautiful butterfly image really nice bit of cd uh I thought here as well actually it's quite it's quite effective isn't it
4: yeah yeah I think the uh, the, the little the little flicker and and things is um and yeah and and also on top of that I think the the um the way that they they kind of push the idea because she doesn't she doesn't see it to begin with. She has to come into more into the grounds, mm. and uh, and as I say, the the CGI is, is a nice little uh, morphic kind of uh, effect, on which I quite like.
3: Um, and then Walter says that a friend of his once wrote that sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. The interesting here is is that is actually a quote from Arthur C. Clarke's Third Law.
4: Oh right, I didn't know that.
3: <laughs> yeah, which which he put into his into his science fiction writing but also his philosophy work as well. Uh he wrote that law in nineteen seventy three and Walter would have been twenty six at the time, so it's quite plausible that those two could have known each other. That's which I which I like.
4: That is that is interesting, I must admit, I, I did recognise the quote and I've seen the quote quite a lot, but it's um you know, and and it goes back, I mean probably it's probably been used in Star Trek god knows how many times as well. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah that 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 would be interesting and absolutely plausible that that Walter would know uh, would know him because it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely in the uh, the same ethos. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that would be that would be a nice little headcanon thing to to put in in play there.
3: It would. Walter and Arthur sitting in the lab having a having a a sherry.
4: Yeah, if uh, if only Arthur half, half had hung round for a little, little bit, he could have written stories upon stories about stuff.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Walter goes into talks about perception. Uh, what changes our perception of people, of the moth, and the buzz is the electronic is is the electromagnetic pulse that is camouflaging the residence of uh, a diner. So Astrid asks, "What, what kind of thing would they need to do that?" And he says, uh, "An antenna." And she kind of points outside and goes, "With well, that antenna, yeah," which happens to be the house of Teddy and Joe and Rose Falls. And at that point, Peter and Olivia are attacked by the sheriff as Walter is sneaking into the cellar of the Falls House and finds the generator. And there's a a nice little bit here with Ashley as well, isn't it? Where she plays Operation with uh, with Teddy.
4: Yeah. Again, I think that that's kind of reiterating the fact that you're playing with things and, you know, there's consequences to what you're doing. Mm. Uh, I think that's a little nod to that, really. I think that you know the fact that she's playing operation with with him it's uh it, it gives you that uh that that theme again you know of, of playing around something else I wanted to to pick up on just before the that episode that um the episode that the that scene is when you're talking about the camouflaging of residents mm. and um you know that that's that's when the like the two the true appearance is revealed but yes. the um but the 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 true appearance is is very much like you know what's underneath the deformity. You know, it's it, it kind of harks back to, you know, um, who are these people? What um, and you know what the way that we we perceive them in the town of Edina would be completely different to the way people might perceive them outside of Edina, and you know, and, but they're the same person. And I think that um, that kind of aspect. Is really kind of um, hitting it down on that. I think it's really du- uh, doubling down on it to uh, to really stress that that's the point. The point is that you know even though with with these deformities it wasn't their their fault at all. You know you can you can look at some of the experiments that the uh, that the Germans did in in the war and things like that, that uh, which you could relate to in this episode to a degree. Um, you know and the even like say the um, Hiroshima bombing and stuff like that—you know, the deformities that people have led to with that, and yeah. you know, and things, and the fact that you know they've been so affected by it, or or even even the the, the name Project Elephant, which obviously brings up John Merrick and the Elephant Man. Mm. So you know the, these things, and uh, are really um, here to test us to to look at the person and not and not the uh, the, the the vision of what you see. Um, and again, um, I think that that's really important to to stress on that. And then, as I say, the operation thing is is interesting from a point of view that, you know, it's someone who has authority over you that that are doing things to you that, you know, might not necessarily be um, with consent.
3: Yeah. And if you're not careful, then, uh, you know, the alarm goes off and bad things happen.
4: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly, yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so Walter turns off the generator and we get this nice little camera move where where Astrid kind of sees the, the real real teddy which is which is a nice just little kind of slide camera movement which i like mm-hmm. but back in the scene with uh the sheriff attacking peter and olivia uh the sheriff uh is about to basically shoot olivia when rose comes and shoots the sheriff instead and this is this is i think what what you were kind of talking about with rose wanting to make amends for uh, her kind of her parents doing or something
4: yeah i mean it, it it goes it it's i i like the fact that they don't go all in with the you know it was an evil scientist action because it's it's uh it's it, the way that it's written isn't is that it's an unseen person and an unseen uh, you know government effectively and that yes the person who was the father of rose was involved and knew Walter that they did these tests, and it's interesting for me that the the way that they've portrayed this is that it's only subjective with the dad and Rose when it became a problem for them.
3: Mm.
4: And the way that they they the stressed it here is that the experiment was happening, but unbeknown to the dad, that the experiment was widened. And why does that make that any different? And I think that's a really interesting like subplot that they they've. Um, melded into that because it, he didn't he didn't have an issue with it until it became an issue for him, and Walter's the same. And I think the, this is the reflection that I was talking about before that you know it's the sins of the father kind of thing that that he felt that he needed he needs to fix this it, that it's his issue now because it's affected someone close to him, and and Walter's very similar in in that respect that you know the the things that that he he does and he eventually finds out. Uh, we eventually find out through the story of of what happened with Walter and Peter is that because of something that he did, it has consequences. And I think that this is the same thing with uh, with Rose's dad that you know there's consequences to the um, the experiments that they did, but he didn't really have a problem with it until it affected him subjectively in in the in the viewpoint of his family, and uh, then he, they made to great lengths to actually fix this issue. Um the decision's an interesting one though the actually being deciding to stay within the the town is a is an interesting concept though
3: yeah, and I think what you're talking about there you know with the with the consequences you can also bring in this question of what is moral and what is ethical in science yeah and a, a lot of the time if if a scientist can stay objective he can he can do his work um and it, you know If it becomes subjective and it becomes involved with someone that that you know and you care for, it completely alters their perception and the way they look at that experiment. So, yeah, yeah, really interesting. Um, And yeah, they're kind of their decision to stay in a diner uh, within the confines of the signal because they believe that, you know, they can't live a normal life with these kind of horrifying deformities.
4: Yeah, and I think that 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 for me, um, people, I think people read that different ways, but that for me seems to be that the the abuse that they've been that they've suffered that they cannot break that cycle of abuse because of, um, you know, the deformities that they've got and their their fear. And I think that this is another like theme that th- it's threaded through the episode as well. There's this fear of um, you know, of being able of being able to be yourself, and uh, you know, and I think that the uh, obviously repeat with. Pete, uh, with Walter i apologize uh, with Walter not being able to go outside because of what happened in a previous episode it's mm. the it's the fear that that's crippling him uh, because of something that he was subjected to and again this this episode really kind of doubles down on that that idea that you know they had the choice to either go out there and be fearless and you know have have a really difficult difficult life don't get me wrong um, you know, with with what the, what they have and the prejudices that that would um, come about for, um, you know, and it goes back to those those, as I say, the the experiments that were done by the by the Nazis or the Japanese or or the Americans. You know, the, the Americans aren't beyond that. You know, things that they've done with uh, you know, various different vaccines and uh, and social groups that that are not that are really horrific. Um. So and their but their decision was to to stay in the uh, in the cycle of this um, you know this town where they can be safe and they can live what they perceive to be a normal life without having the fear of of uh, prejudice.
3: Mm, definitely, and it's, it's it's I mean it's also interesting how this conversation with with Rose affects Walter so much that that he pleased with royals to basically sweep all this under the rug and leave yeah. them alone. And you, 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 you wonder—you know—is he feeling guilty for his past involvement with the project? Um, is he looking at it from, you know, Rose having a father who, you know, who who was involved in this? So you kind of question why why Walter wants this kind of left alone.
4: Yeah, and, that, and that's the beauty of the episode as well. It, it leaves it leaves that that um, answer open to interpretation. Mm. And, you know, I, I've I've discussed this on other podcasts because yeah, I'm on quite a few of them. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I've ended up being on quite a few of these podcasts. Um, where, you know, do do you have... Millennium is is obviously the one that I've been show running. And there's a question in, that I've just had with Darren Mooney, of all people, um, within one of the episodes there where we, we're talking about the, uh, the, the, the ambiguity of the crucifixion of uh, the cross and its powers it may or may not have. And the fact that they don't specifically say if or not it does have powers or not and leaves it to your um, interpretation um, is the same here, but on here
2: it's more of a, a human element and a
4: You know, an emotional um, ambiguity and and you know it's not straightforward. You know, emotions aren't straightforward. You can't you can't like have an emotion because of one event and have it not affect another um, event or another area of of your mind. And uh, and I think that um, Fringe does a really 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 good job of doing that. And it's one of its strong points for me in, in Fringe. I think that as I say, the, the familial. Kind of aspect to fringe really works in that in that degree, and this one's another case in point, and a reflection of both um, the dad and Rose and Walter and Peter really works for me in this one.
3: Yeah, definitely. I I, I talked with someone else uh, on on a previous episode about the ambiguity and the unresolvedness of. Of character emotions, character moments, and, and and plot moments, and I've always enjoyed shows that allow the audience to intellectually engage with the story rather than having everything kind of laid out to them, you know, with a with a nice neat red ribbon to tie tie it off. I like I like the unresolvedness of it all. Yeah, I I I
4: actually generally love love that, um, and I'm not a huge cop pre- procedural person. But if it's something I want to stick on, say for example Hawaii Five O, for example, which does have some arcs in it and stuff like that, but it's you know even to the point where I've I've actually trained my girlfriend enough <laughs> that she goes she, she goes no because she's into the same shows as I am because because she had no choice, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but she sees she sees straight through stuff you know she even a lot of the times to be fair before me. She'll, you know, she'll go right. Well, that's good. That's purely them, isn't it? They've brought that character in who's been on the X Files or been on Fringe or been on. Well, she hasn't watched Fringe, I must admit, but um, or Star Trek and whatever. Well, that's the person because they're a guest star. You know, it's just stuff like that. You know, so um, whereas um, you know, and it's very kind of easy watch, and you know, you don't potentially need to pay that much attention to it. Mm. But with shows like Fringe and the X Files and Millennium and. And Star Trek, and like, um, you know, when it's got bigger themes and bigger, um, you know, story elements to them, and and deeper in that way, uh, and really need you need need to pay attention. And I think that 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 Fringe does that really well. And uh, leaving that ambiguity is particularly one of my favourite things because exactly the same as you, I'd rather go away and think about it and then talk about it on a podcast than than I would just go, no, that was great. You know, they're, they're, they got the they got the robber who was at the beginning. You know, it's like, well, okay, but what do we really learn apart from maybe, oh, that person's had a little arc in that, that one episode? So, um, that's that's a particularly good thing for me.
3: Yeah, and then we end the episode with a with a lovely little scene between Peter and Walter, and Peter says how proud he is of Walter for standing up uh, to Broyles and 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 kind of persuading Broyles to you know to leave it all alone. Uh, but Walter sees it slightly differently. And he says that Rose is is willing to expose herself to the world to right a wrong, uh, which kind of makes you think that he thinks that she feels responsible uh, in a way for her father's actions.
4: Yeah, and, and and also that I think that that it's come to acceptance of you know the the abuse that that, that was um, led that what which they had to deal with in some ways. I know it's not um you know in directly like told or, or spoken about. That, you know there is, there was an abuse that occurred and it's you know i'm I'm using that term loosely in some ways, but you know something was done to them which irrevocably changed what their what their life would have been that's that's kind of where I'm getting to and I think that rose has now accepted that you know this needs to change you know we yeah. need to we need to we need to get out of this cycle we need to get out of this you know and um, become the people that we should become and not be this isolated village of of this, of the same, you know, group of people. We need to get out there, diversify and, you know, take the hits where we need to take them. But, you know, and, and your point is as valid as, as, as mine with that, you know, the fact that, you know, she feels responsible. So she wants to take it out of that. But also there's also this, this idea that, you know, they need to move on with their lives and, you know, and get out of the town and actually start living properly. Um, which I think was great. I also like, um, just, you mentioned a couple of times with Broyles um, that, I just love the the fact that, that Walter was talking at him and Broyles was going, "Yep, yeah, can you let me speak? Yep, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay." But <laughs> <laughs> um, and then eventually he says, "You're not understanding me." Which <laughs> so I did like that. I thought it was brilliant.
3: Yeah, I do like Broyles. I mean, he gets like what five, ten minutes of screen time per episode, but he he always makes sure that that uh, that you know.
4: Yeah, it's more it's more than Walter Skinner gets in the X Files. It well it
3: is, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you could also translate that kind of uh, willingness to get out there and, and right or wrong and, and to and to and to get things um kind of get things going again. You can also translate that to Walter. Yeah. So Walter and Rose kinda of need to do the same thing, but for different reasons.
4: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Absolutely, yeah. Um totally understand that and uh, Yeah, I never thought about that personally, but absolutely I think that's uh that's a very good point.
3: Yeah, so that basically brings us to the end of a what is a really good, strong episode. Actually, really interesting episode with some some great character moments scattered throughout, uh, some great themes in the episode, and that, that you know that continue through the series. What are your what are your final thoughts on on the episode as a whole? Then, Kurt. Uh,
4: final thoughts. I think, as you say, it's um, it, it's a it's a solid episode, and I think that it has a lot more to say than than I would originally give it credit for. Uh, I I do kind of half remember it, and I think going off the top of what we said at the beginning of the episode with, I don't know to stop harking on about the X Files, but it is my favorite TV show, um, and I, <laughs> I, I I apologize for all the Fringe podcast um, listeners there, um, but uh, but it is my favorite TV show. But um, yes, it, it it has the X Files DNA. Um, you know there wouldn't be a Fringe without an X Files. You know there, there just wouldn't. Um, but the the X-Files stuff that are in here are the DNA, the basis for what Fringe has built upon it. Fringe does a lot of things better than the X-Files. X-Files does a lot of things better than Fringe. So, you know, so both of them are actually, you know, they complement each other in a lot of ways. But I think that by building on the the this this kind of um, suburban, um, you know, mountain monster idea and, you know, using it as a theme Um with everything we've talked about today and the perception and fear and using all these, these human emotional aspects to, uh, to a 45 piece minute uh, piece of television, I think is really interesting once you delve down into it, rather than just looking at it from a, from a shallow point of view that if you kind of really look at it and, and look, look into the themes, then it's definitely a a deep uh, episode and, and, you know, it's not it's not alone in this. I think uh, Fringe has a lot of episodes like this, um, and the more we look into it, the, I think the more we'll get out of it. And I think this is particularly true with this one.
3: Yeah, I, I certainly got more out of this episode having this conversation with you than than I thought I would. Definitely.
4: All right, that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I, I like to think I bring some some joy to people's lives. <laughs>
3: oh, oh yes, of course. <laughs> so, a few things. Then, did you spot the observer?
4: Uh no, I didn't actually. No. No. Uh,
3: he was in the background at the at the town meeting when the sheriff is uh, reassuring the residents of Edina. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can kind of see him at the back. Uh, the cipher this week was mutate, which is quite a self-explanatory one for once. Yeah. Uh, quite an easy one because there's some that just I you rack your brain and you can't think how on earth it could. It can uh, relate to the episode you just watched, but that one does, which is great. Yeah. So, Kurt, would you would you like to be subjected to my quiz?
4: Oh man, there's a quiz. Oh yeah, there's is, a quiz. Is, is this Brooker's doing?
3: Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I right. had to. I had to keep the tradition going.
4: Oh right, okay. Well, let's blame let's blame Brooker and Tony. But go on. I'll, I'll, I'll get absolutely. Is it out of five? Any chance?
3: It is out of five. Yeah.
4: <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> let's go for it. I'll probably get none, but we'll give it a go. Go on.
3: Okay, no worries. Uh, so question one. What does Walter collect for Astrid at the abandoned pickup truck location?
4: The butterfly. The moth.
3: One out of one. You're doing well.
4: If I, I get two, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's 25%. <laughs> um,
3: question two.
4: 20% even. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> what is the name on the box that Walter pulls from the air vent in the library?
4: Oh... Uh don't know that one
3: the name of the box is there's they're some kind of biscuit called devil dogs
4: right okay i remember the biscuit tin it's a yellow tin yeah but i don't yeah okay
3: okay question three you'll get this one what is the game that astrid says she loves and plays with joe uh, um, and plays with teddy whilst uh, walter's searching for the source of the signal
4: that would be operation
3: it is correct two out of three we're doing well Uh, The song that Walter keeps singing is a mnemonic. What is the word that is derived from this? Harkness. Correct. And finally is a quote. uh, Who said this to whom and where? I'm learning to appreciate cowardice.
4: That is Walter to Peter in the car outside the shop.
3: Correct, Mundo. You've that, got four out of five.
4: That's not bad. I, do I not get points for n- naming the car, the shop, Peter and Walter? No? Does that not work like that? Or is it just one point? It's uh, just
3: one point because my okay. answer is Walter to Peter at the supermarket in the car. Oh,
4: <laughs> yeah, fair, <laughs> fair enough. So uh, if no, you said I, car,
3: would have given you half a point?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm well chuffed with that. I'm well chuffed with that. I'm surprised that I got them. So that's great. Uh, next Damn. time. Ne- well, I don't. I'm saying next time. Um. I don't have time to to uh, to look at the intricacies. I watched the episode and in this case today at one point five speed, <laughs> so <laughs> so I watched it once a couple of days ago and then I watched it again today at one point five speed. I would not suggest doing that to anyone, but um, but when you're trying to rush through something, or with subtitles as well, by the way, just to uh, just to get the flavour of the show. So um, so yeah, so it, that the best getting would not have would have not have come to me at all, but you know, four out of five, I'm I'm well chuffed with that.
3: Yep. Yeah. note to self, make questions harder for Kurt. Okay. <laughs> um, so where can people find you on the World Wide Web and would you like to plug your many, many podcasts?
4: Okay, so you can find me on Twitter and it's at Muldrake. so that's R-M-U-L-D-R-A-K-E, which is a play, strangely enough, on the X-Files, from the X-Files episode, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. There was a, um, a, a fictional character based on Mulder called Reynard Muldrake. So that's where that comes from. Uh, you can find me on the Make It So podcast, which is a Star Trek universe podcast um, that's hosted with myself and Tony Black. And we have guests on every week to, 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 at the moment to talk about Star Trek Discovery. We've just done Star Trek Picard, the 10-episode series that has just aired and finished recently. And we are currently going through Star Trek Discovery 1 and are now waiting for Star Trek Discovery 3. Um, so we're just waiting for that third season. Um, so w- while we do that, we're going through season 1. And we'll also be covering the animated series later in the uh, um lower decks. So that's the the, the two uh, two main ones that, that that I'm currently doing. Um not the two main ones, that's the the first main one. Uh, the second one um is I know I need to I need to actually I feel like I'm in sort of some time loop episode or something. <laughs> um the other the other T V show I mentioned before is the Millennium TV show, which is uh Chris Carter show. It's been up from the X files called Millennium which was aired around 1996 and 1999. And that was a a TV show about the apocalypse and the end of the world. And you can find that at the Time Is Now pod. We're currently um, getting towards the end of season two, which is a pivotal moment in the show's history. So we're also on there. um, And various other um, exploits. Pickup A Podcast is currently in hibernation for the time being. And uh, Tony has agreed to come on with me. Uh, and basically show run that show. And I'm still going to host a couple, but Tony's taken over and uh, dealing with Pick Up A Podcast. But uh, you can find a few episodes from the past on there with me, and that's at Pick Up A Podcast, and various other shows like the X-Cast and, and the like, and uh, a one called uh, Observing The Pattern. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I might appear on there as well. So uh, but that's the best place to find me f- for what I'm doing is on Twitter, at rmuldrake.
3: Excellent. And all those shows are on the We Made This network, uh, including this one. So please go and check all those podcasts out. Uh, They're all fantastic and they all uh, talk about fantastic shows. Um, If you'd like to find me personally, I'm on Twitter at Luke underscore Winch. I'll generally be tweeting about science fiction and science and TV shows. All the information for this show will be on the outro and I will be back next week. So thank you very much for joining me, Kurt, today.
4: Thank you very much for having me.
3: No worries. And I'll see you next
1: time over here or over there. Observing the Pattern was created by Andrew Brooker and Tony Black and is produced by Tony Black and Luke Winch for the We Made This Podcast Network. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review to help more people find the show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at the OTP Podcast and on Facebook by typing in Observing the Pattern. You can also find We Made This on Facebook and on Twitter at We Made This Pod, where you can find shows on film, TV, music, and broader popular culture. Also check out our website, we made wemadethispod.com. Thanks again for listening. Elsewhere on We Made This. Back to the Decade. And So far, I'm knock on wood. The recipe for not choking in the playoffs has been not have fans in the stands. So, so it's working for him. Nice. <laughs> At that note, yeah, we, fuck uh, it, man, we got we got to go back to the decade. How long? How long have we been in here with, in the present? We gotta we've get out in of here. The present. We've been in the present for too long. Let's <laughs> uh, let's hit the de- let's hit the decade rewind. We've been away for so long. We're too like. Oh, God, what have we done? All right, let's get out of here. Back to the decade. Cerebral jukebox. While I was listening to my Walkman, she
3: started handing me cassette tapes uh, that I should be uh, listening to, um, playing me lots and lots of great music. And, I, you know, at the end of that, I asked if I could bring her a cassette tape into school so that she could copy me some stuff onto... Uh, onto a cassette tape and which she did uh, a couple of weeks later and basically that cassette tape which i've still got um formed much of my uh music taste probably from then till now
1: life's milestones yeah for, for, freeze me because then they'll cure death one day and i and then my, my wife i've said that to my wife and she says yeah but i'll be long dead i said yes but they'll have holograms then So, you know, I can recreate you as a hologram. She said, oh, yeah, so what if you die when you're 75, 80? Are you going to recreate 75, 80-year-old me? I said, well, no, I'll create, like, 30-year-old you. (laughs) So I'll basically become an immortal Bernie Eccleston in, like, the year 3000. Um,
3: Okay, good. Um, I've, I've had some wonderful answers for this,
1: but that's... Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network.